I have full body tingles right now. I was like, yeah. I was just like, oh <laughs> shit, that's it. Like, I don't need a meditation practice. No. I just have to be a mother. That's just right. have to be present in motherhood. Mm-hmm. And then I'll be practicing it because it is difficult for me not to pick up my phone. Greetings, my friends, and welcome to another episode of Healed Now What, a podcast where we discuss life, relationships, connection, and trauma through the lens of somatic and attachment psychology, nervous system health, relationships, and self-discovery. I'm Lisa Dawn, and I'm on a mission to teach people how to transform their deepest wounds into their greatest strengths by first transforming the relationship they have with themselves. So whether you've had trauma, years of failed partnerships, or just want a better relationship with your body, I've got you covered. I am a somatic experiencing practitioner, educator, relationship mentor, and trauma survivor with a lifetime of experience helping not only myself, but countless others transform their lives by learning how to become the fullest versions of themselves. We do this through self-awareness, connecting with their bodies, and changing the way they perceive themselves and others. I have coached in numerous people how to heal their wounds and create lasting change so they can live a more joyous, passionate, and fulfilling life. Hello friends, Lisa Dawn here. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I am pumped about today's episode. We have Vanessa Rosewood joining us and we are just talking about real life. We're talking about business, motherhood, navigating wounds, emotions and relationships and how all of those things can impact us so deeply. We're delving into somatic and attachment therapy and how these things have altered Vanessa's approach to dealing with emotions, relationships, and self-awareness. This conversation is rich with insights about pausing, setting boundaries, harnessing emotions, and self-advocacy. Vanessa also shares how these therapies have allowed her to effectively navigate motherhood, helping her to find balance between and amidst the various life challenges that come alongside with parenting twins. We chat a lot about self-empowerment and living life as a meditation, highlighting the importance of self-knowledge, self-compassion, and presence. Currently, Vanessa is immersed mostly in motherhood. Vanessa has done the reverse of what many chose to choose to do when they have children. She was still working when her twins were born and it was difficult to take time off as a business owner. And though she thought she would return to doing more work over time, she gradually began to do less. Delegating responsibilities and tasks became her full-time job as she dove deeper into motherhood. Along with motherhood has come a deep internal journey of self-discovery, healing, and growth. And the rest of Vanessa's story has yet to be written. So without further ado, please welcome the lovely Vanessa Rosewood to the show. Hi, Vanessa. I'm so happy that you're here. Thank you so much for yeah, coming on and sharing some space with me. Thank you so much for having me. 
So Vanessa and I have known each other for many years. She is a friend, a business owner, a wife, a mom of adorable twins. She is a seeker and enjoys dabbling in all kinds of modalities, which is probably why we love each other so much. (laughs) I don't even know actually when we met, but it was a long time ago. So her husband and my husband are besties. They were married on my parents-in-law land. So our connection runs, yeah, pretty deep. So welcome on the show, V. I'm just so happy to be here with you, Lisa. Yay! (laughs) So at the beginning of this year, Vanessa was navigating some difficult times and some, you know, overwhelming emotions and sensations and decided to reach out for some attachment and somatic therapy. So I guess that leads into my first question. How did you know that it was time for a different approach to healing? What led you here? Well, many roads led me to you, Lisa, (laughs) but (laughs) I mean, I I was, once I knew what you were learning about and and being trained in, I was very intrigued by what you were doing. So there was a a general interest in, in somatic work. And I think it was also kind of popping up more and more in the world and on Instagram, the word somatic and Mm -hmm. the heck is that? And so there was that curiosity there, but I did feel like a really strong pull that was like a knowing that this was a step I needed to include in my journey. Yeah, it was like January of this year after I had done a lot of other healing, the kind of the year and a half prior to that, I had kind of dove into some, some big work in different modalities and I felt, and I could get into that, but just to, we can get there. We can Mm -hmm. get there eventually. We we can get there. (laughs) Um, but I tried a lot of different things. I'm pretty, I, like you said, I'm a seeker. I'm always like looking to learn about myself, you know, astrology, all the things I've done, all the things. And I, I kind of felt like I had like unearthed a lot of emotions or a lot of memories and, and a lot of learnings and new information and ancestral information. And I feel like I just dumped it all on the table And I was like looking at it all and I was like, oh God, (laughs) I have to figure out where all of this goes now. And like, Mm. there's pieces that I know I didn't like give the attention they needed, like when they happened, like, like, like traumas or difficult times. And I essentially felt like it was time to start. I don't know, like, I don't integrating maybe isn't the right word, but it was like, giving the attention that these things needed, like giving Mm. them my full attention to try to like make sense of them or like hopefully heal them or at the very least, like know where to put them. And so Mm. it felt like the right time to like, to do the somatic work with you. Cause based on my understanding of what it was that we would have the time to, yeah, take a look at different things. And also I spent a lot of time talking, like I did a lot of talk therapy or I have done a lot of talk therapy in my life, which has always been super supportive for me mm-hmm. because I do like to talk and I process by talking, but I sort of wondered like what my body had to say about it all. 
if I was quiet for a minute. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah, it was that, that curiosity and just knowing it, it was time to, to take a deeper dive, I think. Mm. And I guess that, yeah, that leads to the next question of what was kind of the main difference that you noticed between traditional talk therapy and somatic therapy? <clears throat> well, actually, I feel like that one's easy to answer. So I'm excited. Right. Um, <laughs> I, f- I feel like, like I said, talk therapy is like one of my favorite things because mm. I get to tell all my stories and be witnessed and seen and all all of it. But I often would leave, I think, talk therapy sessions with with more to say and like more to resolve and more questions. And if you don't like consciously make the space to keep, you know, to finish the session once you leave the session, I feel like it's it can add to your stress because it can kind mm. of you can be like poking around at the wound and not close it up or not right. like like I, I that's something that I noticed is feels like there's never enough time yeah. in a session to like get to it all. And and I speak in tangents and I go off and then I forget what the main thing was. And I just, I don't know. I just think sometimes it wasn't enough. And so in the somatic sessions, while it's difficult sometimes to like resist the urge to tell all my stories, mm. <clears throat> I liked the sort of like cycle of, of the session where we would like drop in to the body and, and then whatever would come up would come up and we would look at it and work with it. And then at the end of the session, we would finish, like we would close it out. We would come back down. Yeah. Yeah. Come back down. And it in itself, even if I didn't cover everything I was hoping to, or it wasn't the, it wasn't what I thought we were going to work on that day. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like my intention for the day was like to deal with this trauma. And then like something else came up. Mm-hmm. It was like a whole thing where we would close the circle at the end. And like that one piece was like, I don't want to say finished because we're never like finished, but it, it felt yeah. complete. Yeah. So I think that's the biggest difference. So just like a different, it's a different need that we have. It's not, I wouldn't even say one is like better than the other, especially for me mm-hmm. who enjoys the talking, but, and it's not that we don't talk either in them, yeah. but yeah, there's like a sense of completion at the end of those sessions. Yeah. And would you say that, <clears throat> I know this often comes up in, in session two, that people are surprised that potentially what is coming up in the body is like you said, not necessarily what you expected <laughs> to be addressing in that time and how, you know, I like this idea thinking about the body as its own sovereign being. Cause I mean, realistically look at how much stuff our body is doing without any sort of input from us. So, you know, and that's literally everything. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Until we choose all the things, things, you know, whether it be (laughs) breath or digestion or fighting off sickness or carrying a baby it's doing all of these things that we're just not consciously aware of. So for me, we begin to have a conversation between our minds, our souls, our spirits, and this, this animal body, this sovereign being that we have. And what that does is, you know, open up this other world of sensation and 
feeling things that we didn't know were still in there or that maybe didn't have resolution from the past, or at least that's how it was for me when I, I started my somatic journey first by being a client, first by being a patient, you know, for, for years before I even got into the work. So I really love that you're highlighting kind of the both and how we're not just dealing 100% with the body in a session, although we are, it's included, but we're also sharing stories and talking. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 I'm like, was there a question there? <laughs> no, just me just going off. <laughs> no, I love it. I love it. It's true though. Like I feel like I spent a lot of time listening to myself talk and going round and round and round in my head on mm -hmm. some things or feeling like, oh, well, I mean, I seem fine with that thing that happened because like, I don't feel any emotions, so it must be resolved and fine. Yeah. And then you sit with it for a minute and like the body told a different story. Yeah. So yeah, I just think it's so important. I mean, it's amazing that it's like coming more to the forefront of, I don't know, I feel like everyone's consciousness these days. Yeah. Yeah. The wisdom of the body. The wisdom of the body. And I wonder if you would like to share just kind of what you were experiencing before you came in for sessions. What were the main things that you were wanting to look at? Of course, if you're comfortable sharing that information with me and with yeah. our listeners. Yeah, I think so. I think I think there was like a few, there was like lingering events in my life that I felt I hadn't processed properly, or I felt like it was just time to take another look at them, <coughs> which, which I don't even know if I was, it was like, it was, I wasn't feeling it. That was the thing. It was like, they were just always in my mind. Like, did I, did I just shove that into the back corner and like, forget about it or does it need to be processed in order for me to move forward mm. I feel like the last year and a half two years like for context my kids are about to turn four like I have felt kind of stagnant in in life and I mean I know that's part of like I think early motherhood where you're just like who am I and what is going on here and <laughs> mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't have the energy to do anything because I was quite and I mean, I'm I'm getting more sleep now, but quite sleep deprived for the first two, three years. And so, yeah, just like a, a feeling of, of being stagnant, which was kind of ki what kicked off this wave of healing, which started prior to my work with you. Mm. And I do feel like I got things moving. And then again, like I said, like I needed some resolution around like what was what I shook loose. Mm. But yeah, there was sort of like an ongoing like. I don't want to say depression because it's a bit of a strong word, but sort of, yeah, sort of a low, low mood and, and sadness that followed me around and yeah. And just this desire to move forward in life and like feeling like these things could be holding me back and, and wanting to give it a try to see if, see if it might help to bring some light to them and, and some care to them. But yeah, it's a, it was like, I won't get into the specific specifics, yeah. but like childhood trauma that, you know, I did, I went to therapy when I was younger a little bit to like, kind of help a bit, but I never really got into it. Like I didn't have the capacity to, to fully hold those memories or look at them or heal them. And then 
and then there was what ended up coming up through our sessions was like birth trauma lots of that was a surprising one for me that day I didn't know we were going to do that mm, me either <laughs> like experience a little white hot rage like I was like oh that's why it's called white hot because if you get mad enough you can't see anything and everything turns white like that was a wild ride we could talk about that more because that one's easier for me to talk about but mm. and then also like my divorce and how a, a number of years ago and how how that event has shaped some of just the ways that I show up everywhere all over the place yeah. and how interestingly that is coupled in my body with the childhood trauma and also with my other attachment wounds from childhood, which aren't related to trauma, but just yeah. related to how I was raised. That's right. And actually that's an, that was an important piece for, I think the, the begin our first few sessions together was just the attachment theory. Mm -hmm stuff and like really helpful for me in understanding myself and and having like compassion for myself which I feel like is like a foundational piece yeah. of doing this work it's like being able to see yourself and and like have understanding and grace for ah, all the weird things we do as adults <laughs> <laughs> yeah and <clears throat> I love what you're speaking to because it's it's always such a surprise, which is why I also really enjoy working with attachment and somatic therapy because they kind of go hand in hand, you know, and although, you know, a small percentage of us didn't have things come up in our childhood. I don't, I can't even say a small percentage. I would go all in and say nobody <laughs> got out of childhood without any wounds. And that is because we're also individual, how we take things in. You know, and I've said this before, it's like something that's, you know, a situation that is traumatic for one person is not traumatic for someone else, you know, and of course, it's never the situation. It's how we internalize what's happened to us. And, you know, <clears throat> we have our loving parents or caregivers or people around us that we're surrounded in. And, you know, everybody is just doing what they learn to do. And so, yeah. and that's why I look at this also as generational, because until we become aware of the ways that we were hurt when we were small and kind of heal those things and are brave enough to look in those places, the cycle continues. And then we guilt ourselves. Fuck, I should have done better for my kids. Like, why did I yell at them? Why did I not give them the attention that they deserved? Why, you know, and we're so hard on ourselves, not realizing that, you know, it lives within us, just like it lives within our parents and their parents before, you know, so it's really touching and brave and courageous to go into those places because it could literally be something as simple as I was left home alone after school. I didn't know yeah. where my parents were. Or I thought I didn't know where my parents were. And holy shit, you know, that really affected me. I have this hilarious story that I would call my grandma so we had one of those rotary phones and I knew her number. She was one of our caregivers, which I loved being able to spend that time with her and learn from her. And my parents would literally be downstairs hanging out in the basement. And I would call Nana just waking up and not being able to find anyone. It'd be nine o'clock at night. I'd be like, oh my God, Nana, 
Tara and I are home alone. Mom and dad are like nowhere to be found. (laughs) Freaking out and really freaking out. Yeah. You know, and, you know, Nana would say, okay, well, sweetie, you know, she would give me some words of kindness and all this. And then we would hang up and she would call back. And of course, my parents would answer the phone in the basement. Yeah. (laughs) And be like, like, no, no, Nana, we're home. We have not left the children. For those of you wishing to dive into the world of somatic healing and get a taste of what it's like to discover the wisdom of your body, I'm offering $100 off my signature course, Reclaiming Resilience, to the listeners of this episode. It is a self-paced five-week course that teaches you how to be with big emotions and sensations. It expands your capacity for more joy, more love, and more pleasure, while you also learn how to access your boundaries, intuition, and build safety within your body. Essentially, you'll be learning how to harness the power of your nervous system and welcome in more clarity, authentic communication, and fulfilling relationships. In the program, we are changing the way that we perceive ourselves, our patterns, and our limiting beliefs, as well as finding our unique voice. Use the code, all caps, feel good at checkout. And for those of you who are seeking one-on-one support, I also offer coaching and therapy packages and one-on-one sessions. I'll pop all of that information in the show notes. And now let's get back to the show. Yeah. Sweet child, Lisa. Like, yeah. Like, where are they? (laughs) They're not here. They're not here. And so for me, I always internalized. I was scared, you know, and of course, there was other traumatic things that happened that contributed to that, not via my parents, but my whole attachment system was skewed you know, from those earlier events. And so everything I was internalizing, I'm alone. I've been abandoned, you know, and that, that continued on in my adult relationship. So it's wild, those little things, and we can never know. And that's why in parenthood, you just do the best that you can, because you don't know what thing, what look, what, whatever is going to, is going to stick, you know? Yeah. So that leads into my next question. How has this work impacted the way that you parent or are with your kids? Do you have something to share on that? Yeah, definitely. And first, though, I want to sort of respond to your Mm -hmm. story because I swear you and I have really similar attachment wounds. And so, which is part of, I also love this modality because there's a little more space for back and forth it's mm-hmm. not just the therapist over there yeah. with no with no totally. trauma yeah or no all, issues. all the trauma <laughs> okay yeah it was like so good for me to be with someone who could be I know I do that too and mm. I was like you do that <laughs> mm. like really yeah because even your example it was yeah when I was older and being left after school or even before school because my mom worked long shifts And she assumed I was fine or, you know, didn't want to get her 12 year old a babysitter. Yeah. And I was not fine. That was not fine for me, especially just based on her being pretty. She worked a lot when I was really little, which like, and I don't remember, I was never like upset with her for that. Mm. But I think it just like, I didn't, it, like you said, it skewed my attachment in a way that anything that happened later felt 
even worse than it should have. Yeah. Or like I should have been able to be at home for a couple hours after school, but it was very alarming to me. Yeah. Even though I knew she was coming home, I still, <clears throat> but yeah, I just wanted to, I don't know, riff on that, I guess, because I just relate to that feeling. Yeah. And I, so yes, parented. So, so <laughs> now I have children <laughs> who dysregulate me on the regular uh, all day long, every day. I'm just taking deep breaths in the corner, like <laughs> trying not to rage at them. Oh yeah. I think, well, I mean, with great awareness of yourself comes this, this, I don't know, this like terror that you are going to somehow damage your children because you Mm. just know, oh, your parent did something super subtle, be in the basement or not where you're expecting them to be. And it like, it completely, I don't know, damages us. Yeah. Yeah. It sticks. And then, and then you're like, oh God, which, which are they going to remember that I sang them to sleep every night? Or are they going to remember that I every now and then let out a primal scream? Mm, (laughs) I'm not not sure. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, and I think having twins too, it was just a double whammy. Like I would go so far as to say it was, you know, five times as hard as having one baby just because Mm. it's already new. Like, it's not just times two. It's like, it just, it's, it's exponentially harder when you don't know what you're doing to get yeah. two at once That's and who weren't good sleepers. And, you know, mm-hmm. my son still is not a good sleeper. So, yep. Oh man. I don't even know where to start. Cause it's been, <clears throat> I, maybe I'll start with like, I noticed after some of our early sessions that I would be really regulated for a couple of days after, cause it would be so cathartic and I would just be like at peace mm-hmm for a couple of days. And I would notice that so would my children. They would be if I was feeling good and regulated and, you know, able to roll with the unexpected things, they would also be able to. I just realized how powerful that connection is to Mm -hmm. my nervous system with their nervous system. And and just how we like feed each other's emotions. Like if they get dysregulated and I respond with more dysregulation, it just makes it worse for them. That's right. Um, which is so enraging because like you just, you have to take, like you, they can't take care of your nervous system. That's so right. you have to do it. And so there's a sense of like self-responsibility that really comes mm-hmm. into play Yeah, where you, you know, if you take good care of yourself and, and whatever you need that day to feel and maybe the the word regulated is overused these days but <clears throat> yeah to feel regulated to feel yeah. capable of to feel managing capable. yeah yeah of yeah. managing stress or or a, an unexpected fit or crying or loud sounds or whatever because yeah. for me noise is a huge trigger of of dysregulation like i if i'm off at all all noise is bad doesn't matter if it's happy noise or hard noise. So I think I lost my train of thought there for a second. Yeah, I there's just this piece where like you you have more of an incentive, I think, to mm. to care for yourself so that you can care for your children. That's right. Yeah. I don't know. They just it feels like our nervous <laughs> systems are all one big blob. And that is absolutely true. I say this a lot. As children, we're just piggybacking on our parents' nervous system. We're learning how to be in the world and how to take things in through our parents' ability to be with their own emotions, to have, you know, the capacity to be with the little one's emotions, to 
really sit with them. And that's not going to happen a hundred percent of the time, you know, and, and nor could it. One thing is guaranteed in life. There's going to be triggers. There's going to be <clears throat> activations. Can we get, or how much can we develop our skills to be with, you know, it all and not just the things that we like? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Like and I hope reparenting, reparenting yeah. basically, you know, not yeah. letting your own little child get triggered so that you're suddenly parenting your child with your wounded inner child. Yes. <laughs> like that's yeah, what it is. And that happens sometimes. Yeah. It and totally like, does. Oh shoot. Yeah. She shouldn't be in charge. <laughs> She's well, not she is exactly. not equipped for this. <laughs> right. And then repair can happen. You yeah. know, so it's not just the, oh my God, I've screwed up the kids. The ability there is, wow, I can apologize and I can explain that, you know, mommy's not mad at them. She's just, whatever it is, you know, and that stuff yeah. helps, you know, and yeah. I've talked to, I think we've even talked about this, the, you know, the thing where we didn't really receive apologies from, you know, our folks. Yeah. I know I didn't, some, some kids did, maybe you did. I don't know. I didn't. And no. that, that would have helped <clears throat> or like, you know, when our parents send us to our rooms to think about what we've done without any explanation, then we feel, oh my God, I actually don't know what to do. My brain's not, I'm not thinking this as a child. My brain development is not there to know what I've done wrong. And now I have to sit and stew in silence, right? So it's these things that are passed down. It's like, yeah, just give them a time, a time out. But like giving a time out with proper love and support yeah. and explanation of what's going on leads to, I got to do everything on my own. Nobody mm -hmm. understands me. You know, I don't understand my own emotions because I didn't have help with them. All of these things. So again, tangent, just like go on tangents no, for but days. It's so, <laughs> it's so good. I love tangents. Uh, so yeah, all of those no, things. I, yeah. It's in, well, and even that, like, I, I don't, I don't know that I was like a kid who got sent to their room very often, but I do remember the times that I was because mm -hmm. I would be, you know, upset and alone and, and not sure what to do with myself. Yeah. And so like something I do with my kids is when they're freaking out or being a pain in the butt or not listening, or there's mm -hmm. something like, often there's a separation that occurs, like where we, I move them somewhere, but like I go with them. Yeah. You know, sometimes I take a moment before yeah. I go in, but I never totally. leave them alone because I'm like, well, that's not going to help. That's just going to make them more upset. Yeah. So it's, you know, even just those little adjustments that you make to a tool that like go, you know, moving to a different room is a good tool because it changes the environment and that's stuff, right. but you don't, leave them alone you sit with them and you try to understand and you try to talk to them which forces you to regulate yourself that's right because if you're gonna yeah. actually speak to them and listen you have like you have to make space and I yeah I don't know I think I think that's something I do fairly well with my kids which I'm like pretty happy about and I notice mm -hmm. when I'm upset that they come and they like comfort me which is just interesting when you do something and then they they mirror yeah, everything you exactly. do they they're little <laughs> monkeys they just copy yeah. you and so when you see them doing like those behaviors you're just like oh, okay <laughs> that's <laughs> it's stuck <laughs> I'm not just you know like they if it feels good to them then they'll give it back to you hmm. in their little ways that they do there was something else that popped in my head but 
Oh, I think I just I also hope that like showing my children a range of emotions is a good thing. Yeah. At least on some level, because absolutely. I feel like so much of navigating, I don't know, adulthood <laughs> for me has been like feeling like there's nowhere for my feelings to exist. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Like they're just too much for everybody. Yeah. Exactly. And they typically are still mm-hmm. like, that's the feedback I get from other adults is mm-hmm. that like, sure, yes, but within this container or only this many texts or only this much time or like there's just this, there's all these like, and of course we all have our own boundaries and things that we need and I, it makes right. sense, but I always feel so contained. Like there's just, mm-hmm. uh, there's nowhere for it, the lid to come off. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's because as a child, like I just didn't see anyone lose their shit. Like I didn't see anyone punch a pillow when they were mad or like exactly. scream and then be like, sorry, I just needed to release my anger or, yeah. or, you know, do really <laughs> like was really emotional and crying a lot. Like I just didn't see a lot of that. And I, I also didn't have siblings growing up. So like there's, there was just less, there was just less for me yeah. to take in. Yeah. And so I hope that like in showing my children a full range of emotions, which I have, <laughs> yeah, of course, that's also teaching them something about like, it's okay. Yeah. Uh, to like freak out. And if you, you know, say something, mean or you scare someone because you you that you can apologize after and be yeah. like yeah sorry about that um you know part like just because I do feel like I show up like pretty raw with my kids sometimes so yeah I hope that that's not just um scary for them like I don't I don't think I, I I'm pretty confident that it's good for them to experience it all yeah but. absolutely moderation is key. And if there is something that you're doing that's causing harm, whether it's, oh my God, always yelling at them or whatever it is, we have to take a look at those things, right? And potentially, you know, do the work, scream into the pillow, <laughs> do the anger thing so that we're not directing it at people all the time, right? And as we grow and as we get better at it, it becomes this healthy outlet that we know what to do with that doesn't, you know, overwhelm us and and the folks around us. And there's a whole other element of, you know, being a woman and expressing anger and rage, right? Having examples of that, it's starting to be more and it's uncomfortable. Have you ever witnessed someone just throw a fit a grown ass woman and just been like, Oh, damn, like she just, it's uncomfortable to witness, especially if we didn't have examples of it. Like this is valid rage. Like maybe she's just swinging punches in the street or whatever she's doing. (laughs) It doesn't matter if she's doing it in rage. It feels somehow unacceptable, you know, and that, that has to change. And I think it is changing. So that can take a long time to reclaim and feel comfortable you know, even if we've screamed into a pillow or even if we've done rage exercises, if it's new, meaning you hadn't done it previous and you've been around for 30, 40 years, that means it's new (laughs) and it takes practice, you know, and some time to allow our systems to know that it's safe, you know, to do that and to express that. So I love it because it does, it, 
it teaches more of the range <clears throat> that we're capable of within ourselves and no feeling is not welcome. Yeah. You know? Yes. Yeah. The anger and rage piece was big for me. I feel yeah. that was like, it was not my intention to come to you to work on my, on like my repressed rage. Yeah. <laughs> and it just was, Oh, is this a safe place to come out? And like, mm -hmm. even in the session, it was still hard to let it all the way out. Cause I was like, well, this is ridiculous. Look at, yeah. look at this. This is, this is crazy and insane of me to, to like, be this angry and to mm -hmm. want to say these things to this person from the past. And yeah. Mm -hmm. And like, actually it's funny because I think anger is like one of the biggest things that I deal with in motherhood. I like, yeah. I have a pretty easy time expressing sadness right. or stress or anxiety. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then anger. It's like, I don't remember. Cause I'm like, I'm, is sometimes we like do the same things that our parents did, but I feel like I do the opposite thing yeah. that my can parents go either way. Yep. Like, I don't remember people being angry with me when I was little, like not at all. Like it was, I had nice people around me, people who cared about me. Like I, I, mm. no one was angry at me. No one shouted. No one said I, sh you know, should do better or like there was no stern, but like, that's what comes out of me is yeah. this anger, this like, I, and I'm like, where did that come from? <clears throat> It's like that wasn't modeled to me. Not not that I, you know, I'm sure here and there, but like, yeah, it's not like a big memory for me or anything. And so it's just interesting because I've been trying to place it, and I think mm -hmm. it's just it's just all of the anger that I haven't expressed in my life. That's right, because it's not safe to do so, or not accepted, or in my case, it's really tied into the story of if I express my anger, then then I will lose the person. At, like yeah. the abandonment wounds there so exactly. yeah and like through that I've learned and I'm still working on like even just expressing like or engaging in conflict with my partner mm -hmm. you know expressing my anger and feeling like no I am allowed to be angry right now and yeah and that's been really helpful I think <clears throat> in my relationship of like yeah yeah, I think we need to express that in order to have healthy conflicts and take up all the space that we are allowed to take up. So totally. And I mean, especially if we've experienced significant trauma, you know, like you and I both have, mm -hmm. <clears throat> sometimes it doesn't even require us to, you know, remember other instances where you know, we've been abandoned or where people have hurt us, that fight that got trapped in here because we didn't know what to do with it. We didn't have an outlet for it. That's it. That fight just gets lodged in our body and it comes out in the most inconvenient times <laughs> in a lot of ways. And it's scary because it's been there for such a long time and it can feel so overwhelming. And so <clears throat> definitely anger. Anger was different for me because I was always quick to, you know, tell someone that I'm angry, <laughs> you know, so that was modeled to me. Vegetarian. Yeah, that Vegetarian. was modeled to me. Yeah, for my, through my dad. And he was, you know, a martial artist, but he also, you know, he yelled a lot. And it's just that's that's how it went for me. And I could always have access to that. But I felt 
it would go from zero to a hundred, that white hot rage, which I thought was just normal. I would like say, you know, it's, I'm, it's my Irish blood. I'm Sagittarius and just totally bypass, you know, whoever got in the way. And most of the time it was my husband. And he's like, so wait a second, you're allowed to have this white hot rage that I just have to take. And it's hurtful. And oh my God. And you can just say, that's just who I am. And that's what I did for seven years of our relationship until one day after I had done the nervous system work and, and, and gone through my system and really healed and tended to and built my capacity, I could pause. And I didn't know that I could pause. I had no idea that there was an ability before I was about to lose my shit to pause and make a different choice. And when mm -hmm. that started to happen, that's when things started to change. That doesn't mean I never lose my temper, but man, I don't yell or scream near as much as I once did. You know, my ability to be with my own anger, my own pain and all of that is a direct result of tending to and building capacity. And that's wonderful when it changes, you know, relationships over time. And again, it's usually not immediate. So I guess that's also a question I had for you. How, how have you noticed that you're different in navigating relationships, whether that be with your husband or in friendships? What are some things that you can point to that have really stuck out since doing this kind of work that you're, that were surprising? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think I'm definitely still a work in progress. Uh -huh. I feel like Me I've too. had this recent wave, this recent wave where like all my old patterns sort of like, we're like, wait a second. That's what they I do. I want to do it this way. And I was mm -hmm. like, no, 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 no. I, I, I actually resolved that. <laughs> so if you could get out of here, <laughs> <Just did it. laughs> the pause where um, you're having a conversation. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. Or like that pull to like, <clears throat> to not, be the bigger person or not pause or not like the pull right. downward I yeah. feel it I feel it it is not gone but yeah. I have noticed and thankfully I have a very like uh I don't know what the right word is for my partner but like I guess emotionally aware like mm. this is he speaks speaks this language as much as you and I do maybe in a slightly different way but like he understands which is helpful but he has given me feedback that like I often now will ask before I unload I will mm -hmm. ask before yeah just like to before I take up all the space because I will like when I'm overflowing with emotion or something I'm moving through something hard or I need to talk something out. I would just burst at the seams and like yeah. take up everything, whether or not he was ready, whether or not he had time. <clears throat> and it's yeah. still difficult when you need that. And the other person doesn't have time or isn't totally. ready or has their own stuff they're dealing with. And they're just like, I can't do this for you right now. Yeah. It's still difficult to receive that. But I have, I've, I, the more positive like feedback you get, it's like the times that I have done it, and it's not like, okay, I need to make sure that I ask this time. It's starting to come naturally. Yeah. To be like, I feel like I need, I need something. I need co-regulation. Like, yeah. I'm not sure what it is yet, but like, do you have space right now? And like, he'll be like, oh, I really like that you asked me before you 
mm-hmm. just started talking or or whatever doesn't mean we do it perfectly every time but of course there's no perfect ever <laughs> we want not? it to be <laughs> i'd be really good at perfect like can we me just... too <laughs> that would be so nice just gold stars <laughs> delightful <laughs> well behaved today <laughs> thank you yes i am <laughs> oh no oh but yeah i i do think i've gotten better at that i feel like i in in my in, with, with my partner with my husband I I'm it's the safest place for me to to practice that mm-hmm. I feel like extending it beyond that is still a work in progress like knowing how to ask you know friends or I don't know just those check-in points where you're yeah. like is this okay and I mean I guess I do do that a little more I'm a little more aware of like you know is it like can I tell the story right now can we just go there can we just like can I just like drop the the thing where I'm like, I know you shouldn't be angry. Can I just be angry for a few minutes and we can really get into it? So I think I like boundaries wise, I'm learning how to navigate that a bit better. Um, I was about to say boundaries, because when we make boundaries for ourselves, we get better at honoring others' boundaries. Whereas once we have just blown through them and not even realized and but our our people realized and it never feels good you know, but often there's no language for that. Yeah. Yeah. And even, or if you're talking to someone who doesn't know what their boundaries are, that's right. But you know yours. Yeah. 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 Or you, yeah, you at least know to find some language that resonates with them to, you know, just like even just, do you have the time to listen for a while while I complain about something or whatever it is, but. Absolutely. You're attuning, you're attuning to the people around you, which if there's attachment wounds and trauma, that's not necessarily something we learned because we weren't attuned to enough of the time to know yeah, how to do yeah. that for others. So I love that you're, you're bringing this up because it's important. It's such an important part of the conversation it involves the sacred pause. And it also involves boundary work, which are often, you know, they're mysterious you know, did you have an understanding of this is what boundary work would look like until you actually did it? Because I know that I didn't. Yeah. 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 Or even realizing when you have stepped over. That's right. A boundary. And then you're just like, sorry, 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 yeah, sorry. Exactly. I'll just be retreating over here now for <laughs> yeah. a moment and give us some air and some space yeah. so that, you know, we can come back together another time or, um, Oh, I had a thought and then it, I do this a lot. I'm, I have so many things to say that no they girl. like pile up in my brain and then they disappear. <laughs> oh, I mean, this is maybe kind of a random example, but I've noticed when I am like having, needing to process something and I'm emotional and this might be unconventional, but I've noticed that if I have a phone call conversation with mm-hmm. my husband, instead of a face-to-face conversation, that it's so much easier for both of us to be there for each other in the way yeah. that we need to. Mm. And even last night I was having a hard time with something to do with my business and he didn't have a lot of capacity, but he was willing to, to be on the phone with me while he was doing some other things. Yeah. So he was able to keep moving. He didn't have to like stop everything and focus on me. Yeah. And I noticed while I was talking to him that I was rocking and I was shaking my oh, arms. Yes. And I was, 
shaking my eyebrows. I'm doing like, it with you now. I'm like, yes. So proud of me right now. Cause like <laughs> I was like regulating my body while I was talking. Like exactly. Like subconsciously. Yes. And then I noticed I was doing it. And I was like, oh, if I was sitting on the couch facing him right now, I would be crying and blowing and being like, sorry, I'm so annoying. I would be like Im- imploding on myself because I would feel like I would look weird if I started doing those things. And like, yeah. so like having a conversation like that without eyes on me was so helpful. Like, because mm. not only did I get the talking piece out and the processing, but I also, by the time the conversation was done, even though necessarily like the problem wasn't resolved. Yeah. I had calmed my body down. That's right. It was like two separate things were happening. Like you said in the beginning, I was just having this Z. I knew it was a good example, (laughs) (laughs) but it it was just fascinating to watch like these, because along with working with you, I did your nervous system course too, Mm. which gave sort of more like tangible tools you can use when you are distressed or when you're noticing or like to make yourself feel safe in a new environment or whatever, all those tools are so tangible. And like, you know, I don't remember all of them or whatever, but some of them stick. And yeah. And I think when you have kids, you get more opportunity to practice them because like, it's more acceptable to look like a weirdo. That's right. (laughs) With your kids or like just to notice what they do with their bodies. Yeah. um, Yeah. Anyways. Mm. I think that that was a really great example of you learning how to self-regulate. <laughs> Tiny applause. <laughs> I mean, it's a big applause. I don't want to clap into the microphone, but holy shit. Yeah. Holy shit. That that right there is is huge. And even to ask for support and have someone tell you, honey, look, I just can't right now. And for you to just, you know, be like, okay, that was hard. Okay. Now what, what do I got? I know I can do this. I know I can do this. I know I can do this. I know that I can hold myself in my discomfort and Mm -hmm. it doesn't have to completely throw me off. And sometimes it still will. It depends on the, the situation. But again, this ability to be with ourselves in the places that hurt and when we're feeling uncomfortable for an anxious attached person, which I resonate with that, I resonate with all of them because I've gone through cycles of being a disorganized attacher, an avoidant attacher and an anxious attacher. And I, within me, I know what each of those states feel like. So when I'm able to bring it back home when I'm able to feel safe and bring it back home and remind myself that I'm here in this moment, touching and attuning to my body and being with, you know, it, this state that's meant to just be clouds in the sky, right? Bringing in that meditative state where it's, we don't have to attach and grab onto all of them and, and pull them in and make them sticky, you know, and when we develop that ability, we just get better and better at it over time. And so that also leads into my next question, social, you know, so going into going to a party or to a public event or all of that, are there changes that you've noticed within that your ability to be present with other people and for yourself while being uncomfortable or whatever that might look like? Yeah, definitely. I think 
I mean, I don't get out much, so have limited <laughs> me either. <laughs> have, have limited examples, but I'm trying to think because, like, I'm an extroverted person. I love to chat. I love mm. to sort of like. I always end up having runaway conversations with people. I often would like feel feel like I left social events thinking like, oh, I shouldn't. I should have like detached from that conversation and actually checked in with the other people there, mm. or like I would kind of just lose control of my interactions I feel yeah. I mean I have have been out a couple of times this year and I just <laughs> noticed that I'm a lot better at not oversharing <laughs> like mm. and not it's it is sort of like another example of where you can just pause it's like you don't have to tell the person every story you have that's right <laughs> you can like say something and then just wait and see what they'll say yeah. like they might want to speak <laughs> And like, I love other people's stories, but I get nervous and then I start talking and then I just talk forever. Mm -hmm. And so I, I've definitely had more self-awareness in those situations and better conversations because they're slower. Mm -hmm. I feel safe in my body or I notice if I don't and I can do things to settle myself, even if it's just like rocking a bit or orienting myself in the yeah. room or taking a break, like going to the washroom or stepping outside or... Just slowing down usually. Yeah, slowing it down. Just like taking a breath and like speaking slower mm. or saying, oh, I lost my train of thought. Like, this, did you want to say something or yeah, it's, I just feel way more present in social interactions, like yeah. less nervous energy floating around in my body. And yeah, I think I generally have enjoyed those interactions more. Mm -hmm. I don't like go home wondering, you know, what I missed or did I ask enough questions or did I not listen to that person at all? Or yeah. um, it just feels more comfortable for me. Mm -hmm. And I'm not, I'm not an introvert. Like I'm not uncomfortable <laughs> in social situations, but I was always kind of uncomfortable in my body, <laughs> I think. Yeah. And that's um, a huge piece. I'm so glad that you brought that up because a lot of times, and this is not every time, there's no hard, fast rule for any of this, right? And what we know is that when we can turn down the dial of all the noise that's going on internally, we can begin to hear ourselves. We can begin to meet ourselves where we're at. And usually what that means is it builds this, this kind of inner peace within and this presence that allows us to not give in to social anxiety, you know, mm -hmm. and I don't even know if that's the right wording or not, but it's more like we become comfortable relating to others without always needing something to say. You know, like there was a point in time, a good example for me for this is there was a point in time where I wasn't really listening to people talk. I was rehearsing while they're talking about what I was going to say next, what question I was going to ask, all of these things. And it didn't really, it didn't lead to more connection. For me, it led to more disconnection, even though I was the one that was bringing that forward. And I mean, the other person could have been doing that as well. But it allowed me the ability, like you, to really be present and get curious about the other person instead of always just bringing it back to my state. I got to tell this person this. Oh, shit. I got to like all these things <laughs> that are yeah, like this frantic need to tell someone everything 
related to the thing they just said that you know that (laughs) it's like like, totally this yearning to be known yeah you know in like all the ways which can happen over time (laughs) in a relationship (laughs) yeah or like can happen in bits and pieces in different contexts like there's this part of me like these you know all these women at this women's circle don't need to know my whole life story in order for me to get something out of this sharing that I'm about to do like I can just share one piece of it and like that's mm-hmm. enough. I don't have to say it all or talk for 20 minutes. I can just like think about it and like, yeah, it's like a the internal safety is there. Like you're yeah. not panicky about people knowing you because you know you. Yeah. For me, yeah. at least that's been a piece of it. Totally. Absolutely. A hundred percent. Knowing yourself more. I mean, what it, what it really comes down to is making space for all of the experiences to be there and not just shunning some while welcoming others, you know, remembering that each and every one of us have access to this whole array of feeling and emotion and we're not alone. We're not in isolation, you know, which can often happen when we feel like there's something wrong with us. I was talking about this the other day in, in a session, this idea of when we come to our body and we're like, And this was me for like most of my life. I need to fix you. You're broken. Okay. So body being its own sovereign being is screw you lady. Like this isn't making me feel safe to open up. But when I come in and I'm like, Hey body, you know, I'm not here to fix you. I just want to, I want to get to know you. I want to see what you're feeling and I have genuine concern and love for you. That's a completely different way to approach being with ourselves and being with others. If we have any fixers in the crowd, like I was, I'd be like, I got the, you know, prior to doing this work, I got what you need. I got what you need. And sometimes that's helpful for sure. (laughs) But also, you know, human design is a whole other tangent, but I'm a projector. So offering unsolicited advice is (laughs) never a good idea for me. (laughs) like ever it gets taken the wrong way and people oh my god like I didn't ask for that it's given me the ability to be like do you just need someone to listen or do you would you like some advice or would you like some sharing on my part I didn't have that filter before saying boundaries someone's coming to me and right away I'm like I'm gonna save you I can't be with your uncomfortability I can't be with it have you tried therapy have you tried this latest supplement? Oh my God, all the things. Green smoothies. Yeah. <laughs> and so people ask, if people are asking me for that stuff, I'm like, great. I'm like, come sit around the table. I have stories for days, yeah. you know? Yeah, but if I have a not, database. Yeah, like, I'm like, hold on. <laughs> Let me pull out my Rolodex. <laughs> yeah, are you feeling body work? Or are you thinking more spiritual-based healing? Right. What do you need? What do you need? I have someone for all those. You need things. astrology just... reading, human design, what, yeah. what you need. I got someone. I got it. Yeah. I got I got astrology girls. I got I got psychic mm. astrologers. I got whatever you want. <laughs> Sorry. Exactly. I just really relate to that feeling. But totally. Yeah. I um, mean, so many of us fixers can because we don't. You know, and this is not the only reason, but for me and for so many folks, it's this inability to be with others' discomfort because we never knew how to be with our own. So Mm -hmm. that's, you know, that's kind of the point I was getting at and how glorious it feels to not always be coming at life like that. I need fixing, you need fixing, and that takes time. 
you know, and there's still times that, that I do that. I'm like, Oh, for God's sake, this thing again, you know, whereas now I can stop and just be like, Oh, you know, it's just another piece of this, this thing that I haven't given space to yet. And that's okay. There'll be time for it. So yeah, back to that self-compassion piece that you were speaking to comes back. Yeah. 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 I feel like this conversation is very timely right now because mm. I'm like, right, right. There's time. There's <laughs> the still reminder. time. <laughs> yes. Because last night I was like, what the heck? I did yeah. do all this work and I'm still a hot mess sometimes. <laughs> yeah. And it can feel that way sometimes, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> and then we have to remember that there's a lot of things that we haven't been listening to within ourselves, you know, over time. And so as we keep on remembering by having conversations like this one and continuing on the, the journey of, you know, not just healing. And I was speaking to this the other day, this idea of it's not even self-improvement, it's self-empowerment. And I love that Mm -hmm. angle because not everything that I'm doing these days anyway, is just to get, you know, over wounding so I can function better. It's more like, you know, how I have a a desire to see where I can take this, to see Mm -hmm. how deep I can go and how much juice I can, you know, come into contact with my own being. And it's so cool, you know, the things that, that come from that. So, yeah. 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 And, and yeah, for me, so much of this work has been about maybe before I get to the empowerment part is just self-knowledge. It's like knowing myself inside and out so that Mm -hmm. it's like, which builds trust in yourself because you know how certain things will perhaps trigger you or Mm -hmm. like when you're having a conversation, like the knowledge, if you have the knowledge first, you can at least see yourself. That's right. And in, in that, then you, then you learn to like harness, you know, the things that you're good at and, and, the boundaries around the parts that aren't as solid and like it's like that's and then hopefully over time you build that confidence in yourself the Mm self-empowerment and like and yeah it's like this desire just to like go as deep as possible and turn over every stone like I I, part of me is like wouldn't it be simpler if I didn't care to do that but I do it's not in pursuit of being healed necessarily I want to know. I want to know. Yeah. So I can optimize my experience here. um, Totally. And not make it perfect, but just make it more, get more out of it. Just like you were saying there. It's like your potential. You want to see this hidden potential that's been kind of just living behind the thick layer of whatever things that we haven't looked at. You know, Mm -hmm. it, it takes on this whole new meaning of our our deepest fears and our deepest traumas lead to our greatest kind of victories, which, you know, I don't know if that's a hundred percent all the time, but in my experience, all of the things that I've been scared of sharing my voice, you know, scared of showing up to scared of looking at have led to this potential that I was like, Oh my God, that's in there too. Holy Would I never have guessed that that was in there too? And it's this moment where our desires can actually meet up with what our bodies want instead of one portion being over here and the other portion being over there. They're actually in conversation 
And when they're not, I know how to tend, tend to, you know, my body experiencing me being seen, mm-hmm. which could be different than me just being like, I'm building my capacity to be seen. Okay, well, while you're doing that, what's happening in your body? Does it yeah. want to be seen right now? And if it doesn't, how can I be supportive of this? I can remind it. Like we're doing this. It's scary. I know. Holy shit. Can you believe it? We're not scared anymore or we are a little bit, but here we are showing up to the plate in a different way. So yeah. Yeah. Experiences. All I the life it. experiences. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what are you passionate about right now? What, what's, what's coming up for you? I know you're in a, in between space of, you know, wow, just all of these self-discoveries. Is there anything that you're, you know, looking into that you wish more people knew about or, you know, could experience for themselves or wish, you know, people had more information on? Kind of a loaded question, but I know, I I feel like, ask it. I know, I, I, hmm. I don't have an like an immediate answer. I I am in the weird in between space of motherhood, and I have my business, which is like over running over there, mm-hmm. and I do my little bit for that. And we are moving, you know, next year. So there's still this giant space between where I'm at. Mm. And where I feel like there's something that's going to be revealed for me when yeah. we move, when I'm in the forest. Mm. Like I, the other day, I was <laughs> like, forest, yes. I was like <laughs> using my my oracle cards. Like, what do I need? Like, what's the thing? And like, it's mm. like pull the forest card, and I was like, mm. I know it's in the forest, but I'm not in the forest yet. <laughs> and so, like, until then, what should I do with myself? Like, mm. and so I'm kind of in this weird tug of war between just be just be present yeah. you, you are doing the things you're raising the children you have a business like you That's have right. a work you're not not working mm-hmm. <laughs> I forget that I'm still working sometimes totally. I'm like oh I'm just a mother who just runs a business on the side like it's still a job but I so I'm just always trying to be more present with myself while also being open to something new coming through for me, a training I might want to take or because I know in the next phase of life, there'll be something else for me. I just, I just don't know what it is yet. So I'm trying to stay open while not forcing anything. Yeah. And you know, I did, I took a training a couple of weeks ago that was just so random. It was a sound healing training. And it's not because I'm going to become a sound healer tomorrow. I just was like, this is interesting. And I actually have a similar thing with my voice where I'm trying to figure out what it's for because I feel Mm. like my the way that I talk and the way that I write and like the amount of things I have stashed away that I have written and said and voice notes and it's for something but I don't know what it's for yet so yeah I don't know I guess I like I don't have like a thing that it's like I wish I had an answer to that question but I will one day it sounds like you had a great answer to that question (laughs) Oh, well, I mean, I always have an answer. I can always talk about something, but I didn't. It's not I'm passionate about astrology, yeah. which I am. But I guess it's just this kind of staying open and seeing what will come through. And it is that it is kind of like on a bigger 
it's a bigger example of the like sacred pause is mm-hmm. like letting the pause be the pause, even if the pause is three years long. That's right. In the grand scheme of things, if I stop moving, stop chasing after everything. Yes. Like what would come through? That's like right. I am curious. And so I really have to learn or am learning how to not like jump at every single opportunity that comes my way that I would like to sign up for. Yeah. Because I'm like the queen of signing up for things. And I think motherhood has really helped slow me down a bit. Because <laughs> I just don't have the energy I used <laughs> to have. So yeah, I don't know. It's I, I guess I, I like say this with not that much confidence, because I'm still learning it. But this ability to be in the in a pause in an in between. Mm-hmm. And like, let it be enough as it is. Yeah, you know, and I'm still doing my self work and doing my self-exploration I'm not just quietly meditating in the corner (laughs) yet yet. I don't know if that's actually possible for you know most folks you know after bedtime maybe after bedtime maybe (laughs) 10 minutes here five minutes there but yeah I feel like being present with children is the ultimate meditation yeah like I yes my desire to escape the present moment when I'm just chilling with my kids is strong. Mm-hmm. Like if you can master that, you do not need to be meditating in a quiet corner. That's right. If you can be present while there are children with you and all you have to do is see what happens next, see what happens next yeah, and care for them and feed them, see what happens next. If you can do that, like you can do anything. I'm pretty sure. Totally. I feel like I I just had an epiphany, but okay. You basically spoke to (laughs) living life as a walking meditation. And that is is presence, being present to what is. That's kind of what we're going for when we sit in long bouts of meditation or walking meditation or watching your kids and just having this ability to tune into what's happening moment to moment. It's beautiful the way that you express that and holy shit you know I just I have like full I have full body tingles right now I was like yeah I was just like oh shit that's it like I don't need a meditation practice no. I just have to be a mother that's just right. have to be present in motherhood and then I'll be practicing it because it is difficult for me not to pick up my phone not of to course. and I mean you can still get stuff done like it's not like yeah but you know that's all your kids want from you is your presence that's right. All right. I'm going to quote it. myself on that. I know later. I'm taking that one in. <laughs> Field notes on how to be. And I mean, that can be your partner, like anyone that you're with, but especially, especially children. Yeah. Well, even just going so. to the park sometimes, it's like just sitting on a bench and like letting them play and being ready to jump up when they need you for something instead of, yeah, zoning out on your phone to kill the time or feel bored or, um, yeah, like it's taking away from something else you could be doing if you if they were playing at home. Yeah. I don't know. I love that wisdom nugget. I think that that's a good place to <clears throat> segue into. Where can people find you? Do you have uh, yeah. somewhere you want to direct folks to get more of these epiphanies and <laughs> insights? Because <laughs> you know this one will be showing up there. <laughs> yeah. I I mean, I, might, I don't have you know, like a business page or anything I do for my actual business. But I have a personal writing page on Instagram, which is pretty like, I don't know, low key right now. And it's 
it's heart of rosewood. So it's heart dot of dot rosewood on Instagram. And sometimes I write things and post them there. So if you're like to see the inside of my brain, not very often at this point, but who knows? At some point, I feel the floodgates will open and more Mm. shall be revealed there. But if, yeah, people could check me out there if they want to. Awesome. And I'll put that in the show notes as well. So I just want to say thank you again so much for sharing so vulnerably here with me and with us today. It's just so nice to tune in to you and your stories and sharing some laughter together and having some ahas. So yeah, thank you so much, Vanessa. Yeah, thank you, Lisa. This was a great conversation. I'm Mm. very happy to have shared the time and space with you. So wonderful. Well, have a wonderful day. (laughs) Oh, yeah. That was my little heart, but I had a pen. (laughs) I like it. (laughs) Enjoy the rest of your day. And yeah, bye for now. All right. See ya. As always, thank you so much for listening. Life is busy, so it means even more to me that you are here. Listen, we've got so many great episodes coming up, so please make sure that you follow along on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you are listening. And if you appreciate these episodes, please do us a favor and leave a review and share the show with anyone you think this episode would benefit. See you again next week. Bye for now. (music) 